You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. All right. So that gets your attention. Have a little fun with that. Um, good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be here with you. Summer's kind of started and kind of see that in the group, and I hope that you're having and able to enjoy some of that already for yourself uh, before the rain hits this week. So anyways, um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church and so glad that you're joining us. Hope that if you're visiting, you feel invited, welcomed, and helped in your exploration of who Jesus is or uh, to connect with him more fully and grow in your love for him. So that's what we really aim to do. I hope that we can help you in that this morning. Again, thanks for being here. You picked a great Sunday to be here because we're kicking off a brand new series this morning, a new teaching series that we're calling, as you can see here, uh, Follow. And I'm really, really excited about this series. And this series is coming off the heels of a, a series that we wrapped up last week that was all on the resurrection of Jesus. And we talked about how there really is incredibly strong evidence, strong reasons to believe that Jesus literally died, and as crazy as it sounds, physically came back to life. And we were looking at that, and many of y'all heard from y'all. You said, man, that was so helpful. Just bringing more confidence to, to my faith to know, like, this really happened. And I've heard from some of y'all also that you've said, like, this was really challenging for me because I, I didn't really, you know, I don't really believe this. I don't really know where I was on that. But now I'm really thinking about it to another degree. And I, I just love hearing that. But once, once you're kind of there, I'm like, okay, Jesus really died. He really rose again. One of the questions that you know, kind of comes to our mind is, okay, well, then now what? Well, <laughs> where do we go from there? What, what's next? And it's that question that we're going to begin to answer in this new series. And so, again, I'm, I'm super excited about that. Now, before I get into it, though, let me, let me tell you just a little bit about uh, <laughs> growing up for me in the Christian faith, because many of y'all know this already, but like I'm a, I'm a PK, right? I'm a pastor's kid. And so I've grown up in church all my life. And that's just kind of my world I, I've lived in. And as a result, uh, my, as you would expect, my understanding of the Christian faith has kind of grown over time as I got older. But there was a period of time, middle school or maybe high school, when for me, I had, if you had asked me to kind of reduce what does it mean to be a Christian, what does it mean to live the Christian life, what's that look like, I would have said it looks, I guess it's kind of like a, a game of Jesus says, which is you know, similar to Simon says. You know Simon says, right? Simon says, raise your right arm. Simon says, lower it. Simon says, stand up. Now sit down. Oh, wait, no. Simon didn't say, so now you're out. That, that, that to me was the Christian life. With the, with the spin of, of Jesus says. And it's like, yeah, this is what it's all about. Like I, Jesus says to do stuff, and uh, so I got to do that. Or he says, don't do that. So I got to make sure I don't do that. So Jesus says, go to church. So I go to church. Jesus says, pray. Jesus says, read your Bible. Jesus says, don't lust. Je- Jesus says, don't, you know, don't hate. Okay, don't hate. Okay, now spend all your money on yourself. Oh, wait, right. okay, cool. Oh, wait, Jesus didn't actually say that. Don't spend all your money on yourself. So now I'm out. And I just kind of felt like that's what the Christian life was like. And you know what? The thing is, is that when I was out, sometimes I, liked, I really liked being out. Because out was easier. Out, out often felt more fun, right? I didn't have to do all the things that Jesus was saying and, and all that stuff. It's just because, man, if, if you boil down, and for me at that time, I couldn't boil down 
the Christian faith, the Christian life, to just this feels like it's just a bunch of rules. And, and eventually, I just got really burned out by that. And I, didn't, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't consistently keep up. And so I'd get really down on myself. And then, and then I just, honestly, I didn't want to keep up. Like it, it, was, it, wasn't any, it, it wasn't any fun. It wasn't any, like, it seemed more fun not to try to keep up. I don't know about you guys, but some of y'all, my guess is that you can relate to that. Perhaps you've, uh, even there's a period of time where you were like away from the church for a while because at your whole experience with the church or whatever religious system you grew up in was this kind of idea of like, okay, it's just all about the rules. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, do this. And you had to try to keep up with the whole Jesus says thing. And it's so easy to get burned out on that, isn't it? Well, that's what I thought Christian life was about. But, and if that's what you thought, think it's about, then <laughs> I've got good news for you today because it's not actually all about that. And if you think, okay, well, where do we go in this whole Christian life? Like if Jesus really died and rose again, then what does it look like? Where do we go next? It's not right into a bunch of rules because, honestly, the Christian life is way more about a relationship, right, than it is about rules. And, man, I just love that. But I don't know if you, and I don't know, there's definitely been times in my life where I didn't fully believe that or fully wrap my mind around that. But if we had the, if we had the ability to just like forget everything we knew about the Christian faith or about religion or about, what, about God or Jesus, and you were just like clean slate, handed a Bible and said, hey, why don't you read about this guy, Jesus? And what he said. And so you open up to the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You just started reading there. I am certain that one of the things that would just jump out to you is just how relational this whole thing is. How extraordinarily relational the whole Christian faith, the whole Jesus thing is. Now, Jesus you know, in and of himself kind of captures that, doesn't he? I mean, what's the idea with Jesus? Jesus is God who comes to be with us. Like, it doesn't get any more relational than that. And then when Jesus is here, one of the things he's talking about, he's just like, I want you all to know how to relate to God. Here's how you relate to God. Relate to him as father. Like, how wild is that? Like, how relational is that? And he's like, don't you need to understand? He's not like your father. He's the perfection of your father, like he's everything you wish your father was, like that, but you relate to him as father. That's how this whole thing works. And then another time Jesus is teaching and he says, Hey, this is kind of how the dynamic works between uh between y'all and me. It's it's like it's like I'm a vine, and y'all are the branches. And and you know, think of the vine doesn't tell the branches what to do, right? It's not like the vine shouting, branch, grow here, branch, bear fruit now. No, the, 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 the vine gives life to the branches. And as new life is produced in the branches through the vine, as the, vines can, the branches are connected to the vine, that's where the fruit is and the new life and the change takes place. Jesus, that's, that's like, do you see that, guys? It's so incredibly relational. And then this series that we're beginning today, we're going to be in it for a little while, talking about like what, what does it look like uh, to, to you know, live the Christian life? What we want to help you see is that it is extraordinarily relational. 
And we're going to do that primarily by camping out on one word image, if you will, that Jesus uses most often to capture what it looks like to relate to him. And no surprise here, but it's that word, right? You're like, oh, really? That's why you have word follow real big on the screen. But yeah, it's this word. Jesus, like, what does it look like to, to relate to, to him? He says, man, you could sum it up pretty powerfully with this word, the word follow. So that's where we're going we're gonna to go, and I'm really excited about that. Now, but before we get into that, uh, let me, well, let me just say it this way. Today, we're not going to really get into the specifics of, okay, how do you follow or what does it look like to follow? We're going to get there. Come back next week. First, first plug for you. But um, today, I just want to specifically hit on who gets to do this or who's invited to do this. Who is invited to follow him? And what we, we're going to see this morning is that he actually invites us to follow him. Jesus invites us to follow him, to relate to him in this way. Well, well before we ever change what we believe or how we are behaving. That Jesus actually invites people to follow, to belong to him before belief changes, before behavior changes. In fact, you just see it on the title of this message. But uh, when it comes to this invitation to follow, everyone's invited. And I don't think any story that, uh, from Jesus' life captures that more powerfully than what we read in Matthew chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, go to Matthew 9, pull it up on your phone. We're going to be in verse, or chapter 9, verse 9, and we're going to look at the story of Jesus calling Matthew. So you'll also have it up here on the screen with you. Now this is interesting because this is the book of Matthew, and Matthew, so Matthew wrote this eyewitness account of Jesus' life. Matthew is one of Jesus' disciples, but in the book of Matthew, he tells a story about him, right? So it's like, oh, this is, this is you. He's like, yeah, that's me. So here's what he says. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now let me stop there real quick because that's a very a big piece of information because you might know this, you might not already, but um, tax collectors in that day were like the most despised group in, in all of, all of uh, Israel. All, all, you know, all, Jews hated tax collectors. And think about the group of people that you despise more than any other. Just take a minute and then confess that you should, you know, I should not hate them. But who are those people that you have to confess, I shouldn't hate? Like, who comes to your mind? You think, okay, you know, sex traffickers, people who sell drugs to middle schoolers. I mean, just on and on. You think, okay, I, I, hate, those, I hate those people. Sorry, I should, but I hate those people. That's how the Jews felt about tax collectors. And here's why. Because tax collectors in those days were like basically employees of Rome, which was the occupying nation that had taken over Israel. And so the Jews, the Israelites, Judea, they were you know, conquered by no longer free to be an independent nation because of Rome. It's an occupying nation. But these Jews are Jews, but they're working for the occupying nation. And so in that sense, they were seen as traitors. And then in addition to that, they were notorious for actually charging or taking, collecting more taxes than what they were actually due. 
And so they would just, you know, escalate that. They would basically, they were licensed greedy thieves, right? And so you put those two things together. You got traitors and licensed greedy thieves, and people just hated them. And so they were outcasts within Jewish society. The, the uh, tax collectors were not allowed to make offerings at the temple. They were not allowed to come and worship the temple. They were not allowed to be any part of any other kind of society element of the Jewish society because they were just, they were that, like people just hated them, okay? So that's a helpful information because Matthew was sitting at a tax collector's booth because he was a tax collector. And then Jesus saw him and he walked up to him and he said, follow me. And friends, that's profound. I want, to, I want us to just kind of sit here and think about that for a minute before we move on. Because this is, <laughs> this is wild. So you would expect Jesus to walk up to this guy and, and, and completely be all right with him. And instead of saying this, saying to Matthew, how dare you? <laughs> right? Or I bet your mama's so proud of you. Or, you know, you... How do you live with yourself? But no, he, he says, follow me. And his, Jesus' followers, because he already had some people that were following him, think Peter, James, John, some of the other guys in the, that were his disciples, like they are with Jesus. And I, you, you know, Matthew doesn't get into it here, but I am certain that there was an audible groan from those that were following Jesus when he says this to Matthew. I mean, they got to be like, oh, God. Come on, Jesus, no way. Did, did he just invite Matthew to follow us? No, I think that's what he said. There, there's no, and Peter had to be thinking, look, look, Jesus, you can't just, you can't just invite tax collectors to follow you. Because, I mean, for lots of reasons, one of them being that I hate tax collectors, and if he's going to follow you and I'm going to follow you, then I have to be with him, and I'm not cool with being with him. But, like, certainly, Jesus, didn't you mean, instead of saying follow me, did, Jesus, did you get ahead of yourself? Didn't you mean, um, hey, Matthew, repent, and then maybe I'll let you follow me. I mean, think about this fill in the blank. You think, hey, if you're willing to, then you can follow me. And Peter's like, Jesus, didn't you get ahead of yourself? Like, don't you mean if you will stop or if you will start doing or if you will start doing and keep doing for a long time to prove a track record, then you can follow. But that's not what Jesus says here, is it? Before Matthew changes anything, before Matthew changes what he believes, before Matthew changes how he's behaving, Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew does. Look what happens. Matthew said, tax collector, follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now think about it. Um, there are a lot of things Jesus could have said to Matthew that Matthew most likely would have responded with, yeah, I don't think I can do that. I'm not ready for that. I'm not willing to do that. You want me to leave my profession? I don't know about that. But Jesus, he just gives him a simple invitation. Now, but it is clear. I want you to, I want 
to feel the weight of this invitation. This, as Jesus, as a rabbi, like this wasn't an invitation to, hey, come follow me for a 15-minute break or for your lunch break at the tax collector's booth so we can talk. No, this, as a rabbi, this invitation had weight to it. It really was an invitation. Come, follow me. Like it was something like, come and be with me. Come get to know me. Come do what I'm doing. And so Matthew choosing to follow him, it was, a, it was significant, but it didn't have any other strings attached. The initial invitation was just the initial invitation. Come, come follow me. And Matthew said, okay, I, I don't know if, if you'd asked me a bunch of other things, I don't know what I would have said, but to this, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'll, 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 I can do that. I'll, I'll just come and follow you. Now, friends, uh, <laughs> uh, if you're here and you're exploring the Christian faith, and you're you know, maybe not sure what you believe about Jesus yet, or perhaps you're even kind of anti the Christian faith, um, I want you to know first that we're so glad that you're here. But I also want you to know that this invitation that uh, Jesus makes to Matthew is the same invitation he would make to you. In fact, that's not just true of those that are exploring the Christian faith. That's true to all of us, that there's no one that Jesus doesn't invite to follow him. And as a, really, as we kick off this series, one of the things that I want you to just start initially processing and thinking about is this. Like, if Jesus would come up to you today, you know, physically, if he, if, or if you had been alive at that day and age, and he saw you, most likely the thing that he's going to say is, hey, come follow me. And my question is, is how would you respond to that? How would you respond to that? Will you follow Jesus? Now, again, to go back to those who are exploring the Christian faith or you're not so sure what you believe about Jesus and all that kind of stuff, I know that that question, will you follow me, seems like a dumb question, right? Because you're like, well, I don't know yet. That's kind of why I'm showing up at church. i got to figure out who Jesus is and what I believe about him. And do I like him or do I like his teaching, whatever, all that kind of stuff. i I got to decide about Jesus before I can decide if I'm going to follow Jesus. And I understand why you think that way. But I just want to really point out, this is super interesting. Like, that's not how relationships work. You know that? Like, think about all of your other relationships, perhaps outside of family, in all of your other relationships, how do they begin? Do they begin once you know everything about the person and then you decide, okay, I'll be your friend? Or do you just find something that you have in common? Like you connect over one thing and you're like, oh, you like this too? Oh, that's cool. Let's hang out. And then when you start spending time with each other, that's when you get to know each other. Isn't that how, that, that's how relationships work. And friends, this whole Christian life thing, it's a relationship. And it works the same way. And when it comes to Jesus, the way that you begin to really know him is by spending time with him. That's how you're actually going to get to know him, by doing what he's doing, by being with him. And so he would say, hey, even if you don't know, if you're not sure about who I am, or you don't believe that I am who I say I am, or who the Bible says I am, or you don't believe any of this stuff, you're not so sure, but like, that's okay. Come follow me. Come, come spend time with me. 
Now, how do you do that? All that stuff. We're going to get into that over this series. But initially, I just want you to know, he literally would ask you, he would invite you to follow him. Now, if you're here today and you hear that and you think, well, you know what? Perhaps you've been a Christian for a while and you think, yeah, that, you know, that, that sounds too simple. Like, I don't think that people who don't believe who, that Jesus is who he says he is or people who are willing to change how they are behaving to, like, obey Jesus. Like, I don't think those people are really invited to follow Jesus. I don't think that that's okay. I think you have to change before you can choose to follow. If you feel that way, then I just want to point out there was a group of people in Jesus' day that felt that exact same way as well. They were the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of that day. And they followed Jesus as well. But they didn't follow Jesus because they wanted to spend time with Jesus and be like Jesus and do what Jesus is doing. They followed Jesus because they were wanting to get dirt on Jesus and condemn Jesus. And in this whole thing, they were there watching this take place with Matthew, and they weren't cool with it. I want to show you this as the passage goes on. So go to the next part, verse 10. It says this, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Now, time out real quick, right? Um, scene change, right? Jesus says, hey, Matthew, come, come follow me. Matthew's like, all right, I guess I'll do this, though I don't know, you know who you are. Or, you know, I'm not so sure about who you are and all that stuff. But he says, okay. And then it's as if, like, or what's implied here, is that Jesus must have had this conversation with Matthew where he's, Matthew's like, okay, I'm going to follow you. Where are we going? And Jesus's like, ah, how about... How about we go to your house? Like, let's, let's go somewhere comfortable. Let's go somewhere where we can connect. And Matthew seemed to be cool with that because here they are. They're, they show up at Matthew's house. Now, you know, I think if you think about the other guys, again, Peter, James, and John, the other disciples following, I'm sure that they're just dying inside over this. Like, really? Like, Jesus, you invited Matthew, this tax collector, to follow you, and now we're going to his house? Are you kidding me? But, yeah, they show up at his house, and then on top of that, it's not just they show up at his house, but they, Matthew invites all of his friends. Look at this. It says, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And so Matthew must have the, you know, the ancient version of getting, like, texting everybody that he knows and, and saying, and say, like, hey, look, all my friends, because all his friends are going to be tax collectors and, and sinners, which is just really funny, worth pointing out here, is that... Uh, Tax collectors were so hated that not the sinners didn't even want to be lumped in with them. Like there was, they got their own category. It's like, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I ain't a tax collector. Don't be combining us. Like so, but that's his friends, tax collectors, sinners. He invites all of them. He says, like, well, you'll never believe this. You know that rabbi that uh, he's going around. Everyone's talking about. It's like doing those miracles or whatever. Like. He's either crazy or he's awesome, but whatever happened, he invited me to follow him. Can you believe this? And now all his friends are on the text strand, like, no way, no way. It's like, you got to come meet this guy. And so they all show up at Matthew's house. I'm sure it went down exactly like that. But um, anyway, so they're at the house and uh, hanging out and having dinner with Jesus. And friends, I don't want you to miss this because this is, this is awesome. You know what this means? You know what we see in this? See, what we see in this is that um, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And you know what we see in this? People liked, I mean, Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. 
And he didn't say, you have to change, and you have to change how you behave, and how you have to change how you're, you, you know, what you believe for me to want to spend time with you and to invite you to spend time with me. And, it, and friends, if, you, if you're, like, you're not sure about Jesus, or if you are not sure about the whole following Jesus or, you know, obeying Jesus. You're not sure you'd want to change what you believe or how you behave. I, I, I just want you to know that uh, Jesus, he'd still like you. He'd still want to spend time with you. He'd want you to spend time with him. That's why he would invite you to follow him. Friends, I want you to hear this. And this is, I mean, Matthew is proof of this. Jesus likes you. Like he does. He really does. He likes you. As you are, he, he likes you. I love that. I love that that's how Jesus is. So he invites Matthew to follow him. They end up at his house. Now they're having a big party. All their friends are there. And the Pharisees are there too. So you look at this. Verse 11 says, When the Pharisees saw this, and they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, Matthew doesn't give us all of the information here, uh, so we don't know how the Pharisees are there. We just know that they often followed Jesus to try to get dirt on Jesus, said that already. And so they, they perhaps had snuck into the party. There's a lot of people there, so they're there, or perhaps they're at the courtyard watching and looking into what Jesus is doing, eating with tax collectors and sinners. What, I don't know how they're seeing it. All I do know, and what's clear here, is that they didn't like what they were seeing, all right? And so they asked Jesus' disciples, so what is he doing? Why is he eating with these people? And friends, this just goes to show what the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, what their mentality was. See, their mentality was this. In order for you to join us, for us to accept you, to want to be with you, you have to change first. It was this, change and you can join us. But Jesus flips that all on his head. Doesn't he? What you see with Jesus is that. Join me and you will change. Now, that second part of it is so true. See, Jesus, though he liked Matthew, and he would like you because he likes you, because he liked Matthew, he wasn't just going to say, okay, hey, you know, just whatever about how you live, what you believe, like those things matter. But you don't have to change that stuff for me to like you and spend time with you. Spend time with me, and those things will begin to change. It's like, well, how does that work? He says, well, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like, um, like I'm a vine. And you're like branches. And if you spend time with me, you connect with me, if you abide in me, then new life begins to form in you. But you don't have to have that new life first. Now, that's what comes from. And so, come on. Come follow me. And the Pharisees, they, they didn't get it, and they didn't like it. So Jesus overhears their question, and so he answers. Here, here it is. He says, so they asked, why did the teacher eat with tax collectors, sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, now, I don't know how this 
played out, right? But apparently Jesus says this out loud to the Pharisees in the midst of a dinner party surrounded by Matthew and all his tax-collecting sinning friends, right? And so I'm sure Matthew hears this and is thinking, like, wait, wait a second, Jesus. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm having you into my house. You're my, I'm, I'm your host. You're my guest. And now what did you just say? You just said, all me, all my friends, we're, we're all sick? Is that really what you're, you're here because we're all sick? To which I think Jesus would have looked at Matthew and just said, Matthew, you're a tax collector. Of course you're sick. Of course you're sick. And I think all of his friends would have looked at each other and been like, oh, touche, Jesus. Like high-fiving each other. Like, yeah, you got us. We are sick. This guy, he knows us, right? Like, just go on with their dinner. (laughs) Now, let me be blunt here. Come on. If we were at that dinner, Jesus would have said the same thing about us. Because we're all sick, aren't we? I mean, you you know that there's something not right, not perfectly healthy within you. I mean, I I know that for me. Like, I know how, no, no matter how bad I want to love and serve my wife and my awesome kids and put them first. I fail at that all the time. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, there's just something sick going on, something off, not right in me. And friends, I know I'm not the only one. I mean, you know, you don't even measure up to your own standards. And if you don't measure up to your own standards, then if God, if there's a God and he has standards, you know you for sure don't measure up to his, Right? Like if his holiness, his glory is the standard, we, you know, I know, we fall short of that. If something's not right, if something's off, that we're sick. See, friends, um, the, the, the men and women, the married couples, the singles, the, the college students, the, the people who are most receptive to following Jesus are the ones who are aware of and perhaps the the ones that are really truly aware of that we're sick that there's something just not right that we need help that's why that's why Jesus invited Matthew Matthew knew and so he followed see Jesus wasn't put off by that their sickness, our sickness, that is like, oh, that's kind of gross. No, Jesus says, no, no, that's, that's, why I've, that's why I've come. I want to hang out with you. So he says this, and all of his, Matthew's friends are like, yeah, you got us, right? That's us. But the Jesus isn't done yet. He, he has something to add to the Pharisees. So he says this. But go and learn what this means, which would have been very offensive to the Pharisees because all they did was go and learn, study the law and the prophets. And Jesus is like, hey, you guys, you think you know this stuff, but go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And he's like, in case you don't understand what I'm talking about here, let me be more clear. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have not come to call. Come to call. Come to call. That's Jesus. Like, this is what I'm here for. I've come to call sinners. That's, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm 
at this dinner party. That's why I invited Matthew to follow me. The, um, now let me just talk to the Christians in the room real quick, okay? If you have already committed, like you follow Christ, you put your faith in Jesus, like, um, let me just address you real quick. And those of you who are you know, on the fence about that or you're not, that wouldn't describe you yet, um, you just listen in. Feel free to laugh at us because what I'm about to talk about, we're, we know we're bad at, okay? So you just laugh. We're, we, don't, we got so much room to grow. It's, it's okay. Um, but for, uh, for those of us who are trying to, you know, committed to following Jesus, believe in him, like hear this. Um, because this is why Jesus came. And he's come to call Sinners, um, this is why we, we dare not ever be a church family that's only about believing the right thing and behaving the right way and then stopping there. See, because that, friends, that's what the Pharisees were all about. They were all about believing the right things and trying to behave the right way. But then it was like, no. And when they see Jesus coming to call sinners and eating with tax collectors and sinners, they're like, what are you doing? It's like, no, I'm doing what I've come to do. And if we, if we don't enter into that, partner with Jesus in that, then we're going to find ourselves on the outskirts of the room that's inhabited by Jesus as he's coming to call people who need him, people who need to know he loves them and he likes them and he's inviting them to follow him. And we'll see him doing that, but we won't, be anything, we won't have anything to do with it. And just to be really strong here, friends, like I don't want to like, pastor a church. I don't want to attend a church. I definitely do not want my kids growing up in a church that's content with just believing the right things and behaving the right way and stopping there. We have to, and I praise God for the fact that many of us already do, partner with him and come in to call those who need him, just like we did and still do, to come and partner with him, to take up the opportunity, the privilege that he gives us to be a part of how he is inviting people to follow him before they change. Before they change what they believe, before they change how they're behaving, we say, hey, Jesus has come to call. We, we as his followers, we say, come, come, come follow him. Come get to know him. Come spend time with him. Come do what he's doing. That is what Jesus said I came for, and that's what he started the church for. And so are we following him? The way, that we, yes, the way that we do this, Christians, the way we got to do this is we, we can't be like the Pharisees. And I thank God again for our church. This is, I think this is really true of us for the vast majority. That we get, I don't know, we don't expect people to come to us once they've cleaned up their lives and they've already figured out what they believe. And instead, just like Jesus, we go to people where they are and we we befriend them, and we invite them to get to know Jesus, to follow Jesus before they believe, before they change. That's a part of what it looks like to follow him. Now, we'll talk more about all aspects of following Jesus in the next couple of weeks, but for those Christians, I just want to point that out and say, hey, is this, do you say, yes, Jesus, I'm in there with you, or are you like the Pharisees and say, man, why are you doing that? Can't we just believe the right thing? Can't we just behave the right way?
He said, no, no, I've come to call. I've come to call. Are you coming to call? Are you joining me in this? So let me wrap up real quick, okay? Three things that I want to drive home before uh, we head out or before we move into worship. Uh, um, first thing is this, when it comes to following Jesus is this, being a sinner is a prerequisite, okay? Just want to point that out. Every single person that Jesus invited to follow him was a sinner. Everyone, every single person that decided to follow Jesus was a sinner, every single one. And so this is a, like, this does not disqualify you from following Jesus. It's just, that's why I love the story of Matthew. I mean, he just completely, just completely captures this. So if you're a sinner and you're like, I can't, Jesus would not want anything to do with me, just like, no, no, Matthew would beg to differ, all right? So just, just know that, all right? And so that means that if you have any major, like if you have sin in your life, a habit, an addiction, baggage, a past or a present or a last night, and you're like, man, Jesus wouldn't, like, you just need to know, friends, it's not true. He would invite you to follow him. And you can begin today. You can say, okay, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And he would love that because he has come to call you. He's why he came. Okay? So first thing. Second thing is this. This is kind of weird to say, but being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. Okay? Talked about that a second ago, but I just want to point this out. I want to drive this home. <laughs> you think, okay, G Jake, how can I follow Jesus if I don't even believe in him? Like, I'm not even sure he's a historical figure, much less God. Like, what, 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 how do I follow him? Friends, here's the thing. None of Jesus's initial followers believed that he was God. None of them. There wasn't a single one that he invited and they understood fully that he was the Messiah, that was the Savior of the world, that was going to die for people's sins and rise again and rescue us and redeem us, that we would be with God forever. No one of them could have, not one of them could have said that. Jesus, he's like ministering for two years. His disciples have been following him for two years. And he finally does a miracle that causes some of them to say, I believe. <laughs> you think, well, what have you been doing for two years up to that point? You know what they've been doing for two years? Following Jesus while not believing yet. You're invited to come and follow even when you don't believe. So, well, what does that even look like? Let me just give you one tangible thing. Again, we'll talk more about this, but just, I dare you, pick up the Bible and open to Matthew, open to John, Open one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life and just read it, read a part of it, and just find something in there that you see Jesus doing that you think, okay, you know what? I think I, I, think I can try to do that. And just, you know, start initial. Okay, Jesus, I see Jesus doing this. I'm going to try to do that. And as you do, you'll start getting to know him. And it's going to get interesting. And it's going to get interesting because of this. Because the following Jesus, the, the big thing is, it's an invitation to get to know Jesus. That's where it starts. To follow Jesus first and foremost is an invitation into getting to know him. It goes, it leads elsewhere. But this is where it begins. This is where it began with Matthew, and with Peter, and with James, and with John, and all of his disciples. It's where it began with Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary, and on and on. Like, this is how... It begins. But here's where it leads. And I want to be full disclosure. If you choose to follow Jesus, 
it's a good chance it's going to lead to you changing some of your beliefs, some of your behaviors. There's a good chance that down the road you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to see someone different. And here's why. It's because it's a relationship. And it's not because you've all started, all of a sudden started playing the Jesus says game. Well, now I'm following Jesus, so I've got to do what he says. Jesus says, Jesus says, Jesus says. No, no, it's because as you follow Jesus and you get to know him, chances are, you're going to fall in love with him because he's awesome. And when you fall in love with someone, we all know, you start doing some different stuff, don't you? But it's not because you have to. It's because you want to. It's because you're moved to. And you begin to change. It's, it's, like, it's like you get connected to the vine. And this new life starts forming in you. That's where it can go. But it begins with you first deciding, okay, I don't know really what it looks like, and I don't really know even all who you are, but I'll follow. Let's see where this goes. And that's my challenge to you. Even over the next couple weeks, whether you're exploring, just say, okay, for a few weeks, I'm going to just try this. I'm going to try to follow Jesus, see what happens. And if you are a Christian, here's the thing that I really want you to evaluate. Are you actually following him? Or do you just know a bunch of stuff? Or do you just check a lot of boxes? Can you wake up every day and say, okay, today I'm going to follow Jesus. And let's see what happens. Because I'll tell you, one of the things that will happen, that last thing will happen. You'll get to know him to a greater level. And most likely that's going to lead you to Loving him more. So, that's my challenge. We follow. Everyone's invited. And I want to end with communion. And we end with communion as a kind of fitting way because uh, of wrapping up this message. Because uh, communion, what we remember at the communion table, friends, is the number one reason why we would ever choose to follow Jesus. And, and this is the thing that continues to compel us to move forward if we, when we come to grasp how this is true. Because here's the thing, when we take the bread and we take the cup, what we're remembering is that Jesus, he loved us in the most sacrificial way possible well before any of us knew who he was, cared who he was, knew that, knew that we needed him or had ever cried out for him. That he did this first. He loved you to this degree way before you had anything even to desire to offer him. And the truth is, we don't have anything to offer him. And yet he loved us to this degree. When we capture, when we mind grasp how much Jesus has loved us, that his body would be broken for us, that his blood would be spilled for us, that through what he's done for us on the cross, we could be brought and reconciled to God to enter into a relationship with our Father in heaven, that this is what Jesus has purchased for us, what he has done for us. When that comes home to us, it moves us to follow him. So as you take this cup and the bread, may, may you rejoice in the love that Jesus has for you and what he was willing to go through in order to make it possible for you to be with him. And then may you Ask God to let it compel you.
to want to be with Jesus, to follow Jesus. If you've yet to believe that Christ is your Savior, we ask that you would use this time instead of taking the communion, that you stay where you are. You could stand up and walk around if you want, but you just use this time to pray and ask God, God, is this true? And perhaps even talk to God right now, and you might not even believe he's there, but you know, if he's there, then it's not gonna, if he's not there, it's not going to hurt anything. So just talk to him. And just, okay, well, I choose to try to, this, this try to follow thing. Maybe to make your decision this morning. I hope you will. Let me pray. Father God, we ask that you would show us what to do with what we've been looking at. God, we do praise you that this is what Jesus is like, and that he invites everyone to follow, to get to know him, because he, uh, he cares about us. In fact, what we're remembering now in communion just proves that to the greatest extent. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for us, that we could be with you. God, move us to want to follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.